Hello, good afternoon, good morning. Welcome to Ladies Go Live, the podcast, The Power Behind the Woman. I'm obviously Liz Jones and I'm with the gorgeous Melissa Warrell Johnson. Hello, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, it's snowing in Iowa, so it, it's chilly out, but it's really beautiful. It's like just clean and white. There's not any dirt on the snow yet, and so it's really pretty. It's snow in London, but it's not It's not settled. Well, we've got little, but not that much. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. A little bit different. So <laughs> obviously I know you and I know how amazing you are. And uh -huh. of course today we are... Okay, uh, so okay. I just got a, a, a pop up to say there's a, a trouble streaming, huh. uh, and it's on LinkedIn. But okay, we'll, we'll still keep going because you know what? That's fine. We work with all these sort of things. Um, we do. As I was saying, you're amazing. Um, but obviously, tell us about you. Who are you? What do you do? Who is Melissa? Yeah, thanks, Liz. Well, um, it takes one to know one is one of my favorite phrases. So uh, coming to uh, being on your show today. And um, obviously, I think that you do amazing things and just give back, give back, give back, which is great. So your clients are lucky to have you. Um, and I feel honored to know you. So okay, enough of the uh, giving each other our we're so great. Uh, <laughs> so about me, uh, grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Minnesota, um, after college moved around. So I've lived in seven states and three of them twice. That's always one of my fun facts is that I've moved around a ton. And um, I love the availability, the, uh, how it's created this uh, notion for me that no, it doesn't matter where you live, right? It's the people you surround you with and the connections that you have. So moving to new places doesn't scare me. It's just a new opportunity to meet new people and figure out where you fit in and uh, who your crew is, right? Who your people are. And so um, throughout that journey, spent uh, the first few years of my life. Um, I bought two fitness franchises, so I don't. I I think Curves was international, but Curves for Women back in the early two thousands was a women's thirty minute fitness facility. So I had two of those franchises in Seattle, and then um, I got out of fitness franchising because it's a luxury item, right? If people uh, have extra uh, income or money is available. They pay for gym memberships. This is, probably speaks right to you or they invest in themselves. But if something goes bump in the night, it can be one of the first things that goes along with getting your nails done, getting your hair done, new wardrobe, all of those other uh, unnecessity things. And so I ended up starting a insurance agency and loved it. So for three and a half years, I built an insurance agency from scratch and loved my clients. Um, my first client, I won't say her first name, but her last name was Moneymaker. And I still laugh that it was a sign that my first client's name was Moneymaker. And she was the kindest woman. She had just moved to Seattle from um, uh, Hawaii. And when I left being an agent to move to corporate, she actually sent me Hawaiian turtles, like these chocolate, nut, caramel, amazing um, uh, chocolates. Anyway, long story short, like it's always been about people, right? So throughout my career, it's always been about people. And after moving out of owning my own business, I went into corporate for the next 16 years. And then um, last March, right before COVID really like took a hold, it was already going on obviously, but before the US I think really recognized that it was as bad as it is, uh, I had left my corporate role and was like, what am I gonna do? So leave my corporate role and then the pandemic hits like full force. And 
I just did some soul searching and actually, uh, Liz, I don't know if you know this about me and interrupt me, but, um, Kirsty, Kirsty Bonner, I assume mm -hmm. you knew who she was on LinkedIn. I had reached out to her on LinkedIn before I knew who she was. And she was the career coach that I hired when I was in transition of leaving my corporate gig to figuring out like what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? What was I going to do the last 20 years of my career? And so she and I spent some quality time together and she said, I won't work with you, Mel, till you know your why. And I had this moment where I'm like, I know my why. Why are you challenging me about my why? And she just said, I need you to do this, these couple of things. And she forced me to figure out really what I wanted to do and um, why it, it filled my cup. And so for me, it was about helping people. And that's what led me to um, coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I do is I have my own practice. I work under a couple different companies as a contractor or I partner under their umbrella. But ultimately, um, my favorite is leadership and uh, talent coaching. So working with people that are either in leadership roles right now, or they're a planned successor for a, a C-suite or a higher level role of responsibility and helping them on their journey of overcoming obstacles, improving their confidence, the amount of folks that have um, some insecurities about what they're doing or how they're doing it and to have that safe place where it's a, a trusted confidential conversation around how do they move forward and how do they get out of whatever that limiting um, belief is, whether it's a toleration that they put up with forever, whether they need to put a boundary around someone that's making them feel less or that they're not uh, worthy, or if it's just something internal that they, they've just let marinate, fester, develop, whatever is the right word you want to use there. But um, about 80% of my clients are women. And I never expected that to be the case. It doesn't surprise me. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a chick, right? I'm a woman. Um, but I didn't think that would naturally be the, the vein that I would go down. But it's been amazing to see these women that are strong, powerful, and powerful, not in like a sense of having power, but just what they've done and what they've accomplished. They're um, working leaders, they're moms, they're, you know, just these they do everything and they're working on their development to be even better for their organizations, their teams and themselves. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Oh, it's a mouthful. Wow. <laughs> well, just a quick hello to everyone on LinkedIn. Uh, we finally got you streaming. So obviously we're now live on LinkedIn as well. So fantastic. And we've got a couple of guys listening. So hello to you both. Um, <laughs> and, oh, oh. This guy, check out his tunes if you haven't already, Melissa. Okay. I love it. He's DJG. Yeah, afterwards, he's on my LinkedIn, obviously, uh, a great DJ for you to sort of check out. So, obviously, recommendations go every single way. So, obviously, yeah. I'm obviously all about health and well-being. And, of course, obviously, being a leadership coach. So, in what ways has taking care of your health and well-being impacted your profession, your professional career? any element of it, all of it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually today was posting around habits and the number one habit I'm the most proud of is exercise. And for me, uh, Liz, I'm sure you hear this from clients all the time, but I don't really enjoy sweating. I don't like the art of sweating. I don't like the act of sweating. I have to redo my hair. I have a lot of hair, my makeup, all of it, right? So it used to be that I had to be really strategic about like, okay, if I'm going to go do like a really big workout, it needs to be on a hair wash day. And for all the women listening, you understand like when it's a hair wash day and when it's not a hair wash day, where I've gotten to a place that um, 
exercise for me is as much, it's actually more mental than it is physical. And what I mean by that is it's such a stress reliever for me. I get out of my out of my head. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about a project that's due. I'm not thinking of my to-do list. I'm not worrying about a client and thinking about the action items they put on their plate and wondering how's it going because all I want is for their success. And so um, exercising and the winter winter is harder, right? To just get outside because I can exercise inside, but I'd rather be outdoors. So we bike a ton. We, um, mm-hmm. we fat bike, we road bike, we have uh, mountain adventure bikes. So we love biking. We paddleboard, which is a good get on the water. I love being in the water. And then in the winter, we bought our fat bikes originally so we could bike in the winter. Well, if it snows here and then gets ice, you end up like falling through these like ice impacted like snow things. And so it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, So we bought snowshoes this year to try something different. And they have just brought so much joy. And I know that sounds a little like maybe woo woo, but we love it. We you they're on in like three minutes. We put the dog on the leash and we go like trekking through the woods and it's just magical. People aren't outside. So people don't take advantage of it. It's cold, but um, if you have the right gear on, you're not cold. So this last weekend it was negative six here and we packed up and like put on all of our gear, made sure we had extra layers on and went out and snowshoed. We've only made it about a mile and a half cause it was really cold, but at least we were out there. And we had this talk about, um, like most people are sitting at home, like watching a movie, maybe eating, you know, making food, whatever. That's great. But it, we just felt so much better for getting out and doing something like for us, right? Whether just the activity and the the headspace. Yeah. And just being, yeah. being, like, being in nature is good, you know, good for yourself. Uh-huh. And then, of yeah. course, yeah. that puts you in a better state because then when you come back, you can think clearly, you're refreshed. And then you have these yeah. great stories. And then, of course, people go, oh, wow, you know. And of course, how many people will say, I put I put my warm kit on and went snowshoeing, you know? Right. Probably not that many. <laughs> no. Uh, and that's, the, I mean, people, here's my little secret. It's, well, I say it's been minus here for, you know, this week. It's, it's cold in, in the UK this week. And I've actually got thermal yeah. socks in the house and everyone I tell just finds it hilarious. I'm like, they're like, you're supposed to have them when you go out. I'm like, yeah, it's cold. I'm wearing them in the house. And if I go yeah. out, they fit my trainers. They're too big. So I can't actually wear them out the house. You're like, no. It's fine. <laughs> well, like cold feet, like cold feet are the worst. If you have cold feet, you can't warm up no matter how many blankets you have on. So cold, I hear you on cold feet. Oh, keep, keep warm feet. <laughs> yep. Keep warm feet. <laughs> you say you stay active. So has the pandemic affected your um, fitness levels at all? Yeah. Uh, so I would say the pandemic actually probably gave us more space and time to be active. And it was many of the things we do, like the biking and the paddleboarding, they're pretty individual sports. So we felt safe to get out and go ride the miles and um, didn't really worry about that. We would carry masks in our, you know, in the, the bags on the back of our seats or in, you know, the packs behind our back. Uh, so if we stopped at a store along the way to grab something or whatnot that we felt safe about it. But I think, uh, for us, the pandemic gave us more time. We weren't commuting. We weren't in the car as much and we had space. We did a couple of times where we would go at lunchtime, right? We're like, we both had lunch and my husband was working from home some, and we would just go get on the bike and eat like a quick lunch when we got back. And then it was done and out of the way. And we had the whole evening to do whatever we wanted. So yeah, it's been, that's a great question. 
Um, yeah. How do you feel? Has it done the same for you, given you more time, or how do you think it's affected? I, I'm actually doing a lot less. Okay. I was teaching sort of about 15, 20 classes a week, plus my own workout, mm -hmm. plus work walking about 10 to 20,000 steps a day. So yeah. sit there going, you know, it's kind of for me, I'm probably doing a safer level, <laughs> you know, because I was you know, sure that comes with my job. That comes with what I do, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like I'm not being active. I'm not being healthy. But again it's a big hit and you know exactly what you said there about going out at lunch was the same conversation I was on um Russ John's pirate po um pirate I can't get the words out pirate podcast um yeah and it said the going out at lunch is actually really good because not only does it sort of wake up there's that mid-afternoon slump that energy yeah. back so how energized yeah. did you when you came back Oh yeah, for sure. It gets those endorphins going and you're just ready to tackle the day. And you're right. You have lunch, whether you're eating something really clean or it has something that makes you a little more tired, you still hit that moment where your body's trying to process it and it takes that energy. And yeah, you do feel that, okay, I just ate and now I feel a little tired. Right. So yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. So <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm happy with everyone that likes to go out. That makes me so happy. Uh -huh. um, yeah. <laughs> So why do you think, obviously, if we, we connect on to mental being, so obviously your physical is being taken care of. Why do you think as a professional yeah. it's important to care for your mental well-being? Mm, yeah. Oh, there's so many layers to that question, right? Um, for one, um, it for me, it's about mindset, right? And waking up in the morning and having that intention of, I'm not going to let something get you unraveled. And there's lots of things that can come your way that, can poke a hole in that that moment of like, oh man, I was not expecting that today or whatnot. Um, but one of my top five traits is I'm an optimist. So I try to find the positive in anything I'm doing, but there are hard things that come. And so the, the exercise, the even being cognizant of what I'm eating, and I know not to sound like I'm, I eat chips, right? We were talking before we got started. I love a good salt and vinegar chip. I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> the last time we were at the store, we bought two different brands to like, test out which one was better. And the one that was way more sharper, right? Like way more vinegary, much more I uh, like I like, but just being conscious of like what I'm eating and how it makes me feel. And that, that affects my, my mental state too. Um, busy days. So trying to time block. Uh, and so that the exercise just makes sure that when I have those crazy days or the really busy days that are stacked on each other, that I have that space to just keep my head clear. And that's the best thing you've actually hit there because what's when you have those busy days, the first thing is mm -hmm. I haven't got time to go out for a 20 minute walk or cycle or, you know, whichever, because we said it, if I go out for a 20 minute cycle, I'm going to get my hair messy, my makeup. Sweat, so I'm going to have to come back, mm -hmm. make lunch and all this. And basically you make this 20 minutes out that it's going to be like a two hour ordeal. Mm -hmm. But basically, if you tag on or if you time yourself, how long it takes to do your hair, it doesn't take you an hour. Unless you're going no. on to now. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, and it is, it's just getting like wrapping for for us. Like I love to go like right at four or five o'clock as soon as my day's done. Like if I get out of that mode of like work's done, go do something outside. It if I try to do exercise at 7 p.m., for example, I have a really hard time with it because I'm already kind of in my wind down mode of I want to like make dinner, relax. Um, get ready, look at whatever's going on the next day. I'd rather be doing a puzzle, right? Or reading. That maybe sounds really funny, but 
um, something that's just more calming than getting me all amped up. So for me, the four to four to six o'clock hour is the best time. And I know that in winter here, when it, when it's getting dark at early four o'clock, those are the harder days on the exercise stuff. So sometimes we'll even block like a three o'clock. My husband will leave work early, all schedule that day blocked and we'll go do something at three. So we've got that hour of light outside. Oh, that's nice. I'll say, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's all negative working in health and fitness. Our hours are people's leisure hours. So my, yeah. so I always make sure I take my time off in the day because people always wonder why yep. I disappear sort of about 11, 12, or, or, you know, somewhere like late morning, early afternoon, depends on where it is. I'll, di- I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be like, I'm not talking, I'm not online, I'm not doing this because that's mm-hmm. my break and then I'm working till 7, 8, 9 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, for sure. It- so when I think about, so like your industry, people in the food service industry, realtors, right? So people that are out, they, same thing, like you're all working at the hours when a nine to five worker is available to, yeah. So um, yeah. And good for you for saying, realizing I need to give myself that break because otherwise you could be working all day and just like being burnt out because you're not even realized you're just well, it's normal work hours, right? So yeah. what is normal? Yeah, and that's the thing. And that that's the, the main thing because you might be a nine to five worker. You you have your evenings, mm-hmm. you have some you time. If you're not, you're like someone like me, it doesn't matter that you're me. You might be a carer, you might be some other coach, you might, you know, it might yeah. be your job, you might be an office worker, but work night shifts. That you mm-hmm. time is needed because that's mm-hmm. how you perform better. Agreed. Agreed. And realizing, so when you said that your you time, even like being married or being in a relationship or whatever that looks like, realizing that I still need that space. That's just my time. Right. So even if I'm not working and Alan's home, like I want that time where I've got some time that's just mine, whether I'm reading, even watching Netflix, right. Just some time that I get some personal time by myself. Um, that, that I've realized over time is super important to that space. Because that's the thing, you yeah. can live with somebody, but you're not, yeah. you're not supposed to suddenly become a joint to them. You're still your own person. You don't lose. Uh-huh. Yep. So we'll just say a quick hello. We've got Ron who's just tagged in. Hi, Ron and Sheree. <laughs> and we, obviously a nice question here. So from doing your business, what have you learned about yourself? Mm. Uh, what have I learned about myself? At times, I need to be better at saying no, making sure that the yeses I'm saying are really the yeses I want to do. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a pleaser, but I like to say yes. I want to help people. And so when people ask questions, my first instinct is like, of course I can do that, right? Yeah. And then you realize, man, I've said yes to a lot of things that uh, urgent and important maybe are some good words that I'm learning to wrap my head around on when do things fall into that priority of it's important and urgent. And if it's important, but not urgent, how do I schedule a little farther out and not trying to get it done today or tomorrow? Right. And so, um, time management skills of going from being in the corporate world to back to being my own uh, boss and managing my practice, uh, managing my time to your point of, I can be working all day and realize I haven't put any time in for a bio break, let alone a lunch break, let alone taking the pup out because of COVID, right? Working from home, taking the pup out for a a bathroom break. So yeah, time management, urgent versus important and just um, really saying yes to the things that are the most important. 
That's a great question. Yeah, really great question. And that's the thing, because it can be easy, particularly being in lockdown, to get just tied up and wrapped uh -huh. up. Uh -huh. And poor puppy, he needs his walks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I do at lunch, even when it's cold, we try to at least go do even the small block where get out and a little bit of running around. Um, it, yeah, puppies have tons of energy. And I just want, I just want her to have as much fun as possible, right? Have the best life, the best puppy life ever. <laughs> I, say, I like that. I'm all for that one. So, um, yeah. also, uh, makes you feel inspired because obviously, you know, especially now what, mm -hmm. what yeah you? um so a couple things and this may sound well it is what it is uh one of the things that inspires me is when i see these major organizations investing in their people right so they're investing in what whether it's with us or someone else even thinking about what you do they're investing in uh health and fitness for their employees they're investing in leadership development coaching whatever that may be to help their employees have value it, it's just a huge retention play for them so i appreciate organizations that during covid are re-looking at their budget but also saying this is a huge part of making sure we keep and retain the best people that we have um, and help elevate them uh, the other thing that gives me a ton of um, inspiration is when i see clients have wins right so they have these successes or they have this moment of aha. Um, my my favorite recent story is I was working with a client and he hired me for a short period of time and it was about he wanted to change careers and he just wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. He had been at the same company for like 17 years and so he hadn't done any of those things in a long time. And what we really work through, and this is not sharing any confidential information as a coach, obviously our conversations are confidential, but it was asking him like, what was most important to him? Like, what did he need at somewhere he wanted? Like, what were the needs and what were the, the nice to haves and really aligning that? And we got to a point where he said, okay, I have the tools I need. Now it's on me to go find the right place, get the interviews, go, go land this new role. And um, he starts his new role uh, next week. So he found a role, he's super excited about it. And um, watching him on that journey and being able to partner with him, like that just fills my cup, right? It makes me just so, um, I love what I get to do every day, right? I get to help people. That's amazing. Who gets yeah. to say that? Not everyone gets to say that, that they get to help people every day for what they do. And that's the thing, because one thing they also forget is as a coach, you see this, you celebrate the success, but you're also the one dealing with, I said, the crap, because when they're having mm -hmm. a bad day, you're the one that they're going, this isn't working, I've done this, or all these vented frustrations. So you're yeah. there picking them up. Yeah. Yeah, and that energy, like the energy, um, like when I come into the day knowing, and I don't know if you have a, a standard, but for me, I really don't want to have more than three clients in a day as far as coaching like one-on-one -on -one conversations because I need to be fully present. I need to have my listening skills at their best, right? Like that I am all in, everything's closed and it is just in that moment. And that you, um, every bit of me is there to be present for where they're at and what they're working towards. So um, for me, three clients a day is really the max that I like to have so that I'm fully present for each and every one of them. See, I'm a little different. Because I do the group <laughs> I've got, basically I've got three elements of my, my business. So I've got the group exercise with my actual training clients, but I only do four coaching clients at a time maximum because okay. they have two sessions a week. So it's the same reasons yep. as you. I want to be there for them. 
I want them to know yeah. that they can get the phone and I'm available. And people underestimate that because that puts you in a better state to actually help people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's when we do, you know, get this Zoom fatigue from meeting to meeting. The thing is, oh. if you're for your client, you're trying to remember, not just remember how it was, you're getting in the headspace to have that next conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Knowing it could be, an, a, you could be have three difficult conversations. Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a phrase I've used in the past is roses and gravy, which are two random things. But I say this, like life isn't all roses and gravy, right? It's not always just flowers and yummy food. Like there's, there's other stuff that falls in there, like cauliflower and, you know, uh, weeds in your yard. And so it's just that, uh, realizing that the good with the bad, right? And when you have those conversations where they've had these great breakthroughs, like celebrate it, right? And acknowledge all of that work, but really being there for when they're having those difficult days. And you know that with clients, um, with exercise, they can be having all of these amazing positive effects, but they haven't felt it in their pants or they haven't like physically seen it on the scale and trying to help someone understand like muscle, muscle weighs more than fat, right? Like, but it's smaller, it's leaner. I promise it's coming. Like all the things you're doing all the right things. So I can only imagine uh, the headspace you have to stay in to help them know that they're, they're on this journey. Right. And it doesn't happen like that. I have to say sometimes the abuse I get is like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now keep with it. Well, when would I see results? Trust the process, the process. Uh So, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And that's what mm-hmm. people see that you don't see. So how do you take, obviously, all the knowledge you've got about well-being? Of course, you're not me. But, you know. <laughs> uh, no. Excuse me. Um, but you've obviously got this wealth of experience, knowledge, and taking care of your well-being around your profession. How do you pass that over to not only, say, your clients maybe or the, your family, those around you? How do you share that? Yeah, it um... – it's an interesting question because there is the art of sharing knowledge and then there's the art of sharing too much knowledge where people feel like you're in their face. So um, most of the time it's in a, in more of a support, right? So even thinking about like, I have a very close family member that has always struggled with weight and eating and it's probably a little bit of food intake, but it's also lack of exercise. And so um, I try to take the stance of when they're making positive choices, I really acknowledge and celebrate those. But if they're making what I would make my opinion of a poor choice, I don't dwell on it either because I don't think that helps. For me, if someone was saying like, man, I think you're making poor choices, sometimes I'm going to do the exact opposite. And you know, maybe uh, I want to say like, put the big metal finger up. Like, I don't need your opinion. If I wanted your opinion, I would ask for it. Yeah. So I try to really be in the space of like positive encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, deep down, we all know when we're making choices that are not ideal for ourselves, but something's going on that we're deciding to go that direction. So I try to just stay in to really acknowledge and celebrate when when they're having wins and making those positive positive habits, right? So it's like training, training your puppy. You reward them with uh-huh. positives. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back, obviously, we're talking about speaking to other people. If you went back and spoke to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give? Don't worry so much about what everybody else thinks. 
Yeah. I didn't probably learn that until I was in my mid thirties, right. Of just, if you're doing the right thing and you know that your moral compass is due North and it's for the good of where you're trying to go. Um, people will always have their opinions. And if you're, if you're driven, you have grit and you work hard, there's always going to be people that want to, uh, maybe they don't think they can catch up or they see you as competition and just not worrying about what everybody else thinks. Um, I probably gave that a lot of headspace in my late teens and twenties. Right. And then in your thirties, you start to, I guess I would say like come into my own, right. Like you figure out who you are and um, where your confidence level is and that you've got it. So um, yeah, I probably would worry less about what people think and worry about the people that matter. Right. Like who, who are, uh, what's that phrase? Um, those who matter don't mind. And those Wait, those who matter don't mind. And those that don't matter. Anyway, I'm getting the phrase. This is my analogy game is terrible. But, you know, worrying about the the people who love you and care about you don't don't mind what you do. And the people who are caring what you do, they probably are people that don't don't matter. So anyway, I mean, the saying I got brought up with was I don't mind because it doesn't matter. Ah, I love that. That's a good twist on it. So yeah. And you just can't forget it. it's like, or, and you can twist it and go, I don't mind because you don't matter, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. Obviously, what our listeners, the beautiful guys that are listening, would that be the advice <laughs> you'd give them is to not worry about others or would you change that for the now? Uh, This may be a broad brush. So for those listening, I'm not trying to paint a broad brush, but I, it appears to me that men just don't take things as personal as women do. So we, we tend to worry about if people like us and what they think about us. And I think men, most of the strong men that I've worked with, they're like, they could give two hoots about someone who doesn't like them. Right. And so they just move on. Um, I don't know what advice would it, if, if I was 18 and it, I don't know. I don't know that I would change it. No. But yeah, I think to men probably do worry about what people think. Mm. They just are better at keeping it to themselves, right? Where we have that and we instantly like go talk to our best friend and talk to our mom and talk to our siblings, like da, 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 da. I don't know. Would, this- would you change your advice if you were talking to men versus women? But this is this is the um, I'll say the thing that obviously I've been sort of bigging up because of the way men and women react. So, for example, mm-hmm. I shared this yesterday. It's like I wouldn't train sort of di- I wouldn't avoid exercises because the exercises aren't different. However, things uh-huh. like hormones, emotions, the way we process, mm-hmm. the fact that guys are more susceptible to mental health conditions. Men are actually higher on the stats, and the ease. Huh there's a huge correlation to the fact that men don't speak. Mm-hmm. So one's actually hit it, or well, we hide it better. So it still hurts us because there's also that uh-huh. still image of the guy being the strong, the head of the household, the protector. Yeah. You know? And as women, we still want that. Even though we want to have a high powered job, we want our career, we want the family and all this. We still want mm-hmm. our guy to be our guy. Uh-huh. And you know, yeah. guys, have this pressure dealt by society, dealt by each other, dealt by family, however you want to put it. And yep. 
that level of, yeah, I've got this, you know, and like you say, girls will go and talk to their girlfriends or their mum or their sister or, you know, because we'll vocalise. So, yeah, you would be, I I probably am a bit more questioning with a guy. Ah. Simply for the reason, because they'll probably, I've had, I've I've trained a lot of male clients and I get, yeah, that's fine. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Did you understand this? And a lot, uh, I do a lot more, say, repeating, if you know what I mean, because although they get it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of consolidating knowledge that they're okay. Whereas women are more likely to go and pull a face or there's going to be a reaction. So the women Mm -hmm. are obviously a lot more giving. So that's in my opinion. (laughs) No, that's a great ad. And I think what I heard you saying is like, you dig a little deeper, right? To make sure that they feel safe to be able to say like, you know what, I really didn't understand that or I didn't appreciate that, right? So um, point well taken. That's a great a great call out. And the other one I find is because the guy clients I've had, they've trained me because they've gone, yeah, you're strong, you can push me, you know, in some things you're stronger than me, but there's no bravado. And that's yeah. where I find working male to female can work really well if you get the right, right combination because you know, this is why I say you've got male clients, fantastic, the way, way it helps, because they don't feel the competition with you. Yeah, for and sure. Guys to guys can be, you know, you see them, you know, in the pubs or wherever, you know, it's not all guys, it's not everything, it's not black at everyone, you know, I'm not saying that, but there is that big uh, sort of thing. And the genders are equal in many ways, but there are recognitions that need to be made of just how we respond naturally, for example. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even like women with women, uh, even Sheryl Sandberg said this in 2010, and it's still relevant about women seeing other women as competition instead of how do we help rise each other up um, and have more women in senior leadership roles and not seeing each other as the only woman in the seat that you want versus all of those seats could be yours. And um, so, yeah, that that as well. And um, just being advocates for each other instead of seeing each other as the competition. I'll say it's the it's the um the one that the president is boss babe and all this the she he yo and it's like no really a CEO is a yeah. title boss is a title mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether mm-hmm. male or female it's the ability to do the job at hand yeah so personally I've never loved the boss babe thing because one I'm just a leader and I frankly don't love the word boss because every boss I've had that needed to be called a boss was generally a terrible boss. Um, <laughs> So the the people I loved working for were the people that never cared about their title. They were just part of the team and they knew if the team worked well together and collaborated that um, recognition would go to all that participated. So um, boss babe for me has always been one that I cringe at. I remember once I had a, a team member and this is a terrible share, but it's a share. For Christmas, she gave me a, a, a framed thing that said boss babe and I brought it home and I was like, oh man, like I feel real guilty, but there's no way I can hang this up because everything about it, like to my core, and I knew it was a compliment from her, but it didn't speak to me, right? On how I was as a leader, how title didn't matter. And so it's just one of those funny phrases that I get. Some people really resonate with it. For me, um, it, it, you know, it was never about being a woman or being a man and a leader. It's like, are you a leader? Do you help rise people up and do you do that through collaboration and being a team player or by telling people what to do? And that leads me perfectly on to the close because you and I could talk forever. <laughs> I can see this going on. However, yeah, yeah. 
people want you to rise them up and turn them into the leader or the career step. How's the best way to get hold of you? Mm, um, great question. So one thing I would say, Liz, is um, I don't do the work, right? So I partner with my clients and they do the work 100%. Same with you. Your clients do the work, but they're hiring you to be that accountability partner, thought partner with them. Um, so the best way to reach me, especially on LinkedIn, is just look me up on LinkedIn, send a message. Um, I reply to all direct messages every day. My email box is the same way. I can't go to bed with unread emails. It's probably a problem, but it is, it's my own to deal with. Um, but LinkedIn is the best way. So um, Melissa Worrell Johnson is what I'm under. And um, I'm listed, I'm a, a, a principal with Carlson Group, so I umbrella under that organization. But uh, yeah, I would love to connect. And um, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. You're welcome. Great to talk to you. So for those who do want to think, her links are in the text, which is above this, this share. So whatever platform you're on, the link is there. So if not, thank you, Melissa, for your time. And thank you, everyone, for listening, for all the guys dropping in your comments. And uh -huh. day. enjoy the rest of the day. See ya. Bye.